We are live. Hello, greetings everyone. Uh, welcome to another Educator Innovator Hangout on Air. I'm your host for this Hangout tonight. I'm Christina Cantrell from the National Writing Project, and I'm logging in here from Philadelphia as the sun is setting in the background. Um, this Hangout is called From Research to Public Voice, Supporting Youth Writing for Civic Advocacy. I'm really excited about it. It's an incredibly important topic in general. Um, it's also perfectly timed to connect with an active project we have here at Educator Innovator called Letters to the Next President 2.0. Letters to the Next President uh, is an initiative that supports young people 13 to 18 to voice their opinions and ideas on the issues that matter most to them in the coming election. So check that out at letters to, number two, letters to president.org. Um, and you can see a bunch of letters actually already published by students around the country, um, and it'll be open through the election. So check it out. Um, it, in the meantime, here at Educator Innovator, we are continuing our series of webinars um, to surface discussions, questions, and related resources that come up and can, can be supportive of youth in writing letters that they want to share with the wider public. Um, these could be um, writing to the next president, or maybe an editorial in your local newspaper, or responding to current events and topics in open online spaces. Um, tonight, we'll introduce you to one of these um, a discussion that's been happening among colleagues here at the National Writing Project and the related resources that they've been developing together um, through uh, a continuum that's called the Civically Engaged Writing Analysis Continuum, or CWAC. So super excited to have everybody here today, and thank you for joining us. For those watching live on this Hangout, I just want to encourage you to post your thoughts, your ideas, your questions via Twitter to the hashtag uh, 2 nextprez, so number 2 nextprez, so we can keep these conversations engaged and connected to um, all our different strands of work. So thank you very much uh, for coming today and making the time. And I'm really excited by the team that's convened here and all the work you've already done to think about how best to talk about this really um, interesting and um, uh, both complex and also beautiful work you've been doing for the last few months together. So why don't I let you all introduce yourselves, and I'll just start here on my left with Stan, and maybe you can tell us, just give your name, where you work, and then a little bit about what brings you to this conversation today. Sure. Um, I'm Stan Pasnick, and um, I'm actually the co-principal investigator on the CWEC project, and I taught history and government in Oakland, California for many years. Um, throughout the years, I worked with the Barrier Writing Project, the National Writing Project, and the uh, those say lesson study group. Um, what brings me to this is the work of a history educator and social educator concerned about citizenship, about student voice, and about how well they make arguments and talk in the public sphere. Great. I have to get to my mute button fast enough. Sorry about that. Thank you, Stan. Linda? Great. Hi, everybody. I'm Linda Friedrich. I'm the Director of Research and Evaluation at the National Writing Project, and I am the Principal Investigator on the Civically Engaged Writing Analysis Continuum. I'm excited um, to bring together assessment tools that can really support young people and teachers in thinking about how young people can engage in important and rich conversations about the world around us, and I'm so excited to be part of this webinar today. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Linda. Janelle? Hi, I'm Janelle Bentz. Um, I teach English 1 in a blended humanities class in Coppell, Texas. Um, I've been working a while for with both urban and suburban spaces, um, but being able to um, work on civic discourse with my kids since they're freshmen um, and kind of exposing them to that first off for many of them um, and what it means to carry on civic discourse in new spaces online with all the diverse media has been really exciting. Um, and CWAC has really given me an opportunity to take another look at what is important to me in that work, but also how to encourage progress and development in this important genre. 
Great, thank you. And Casey. Hello, I'm Casey and I, I teach English at a rural high school in Columbus, Montana. Um, I've, I've been on the National Writing Project's College Ready Writers Program leadership team since uh, 2013. And so I've spent the, the past two years really focused on effective policy and awareness arguments with my students in op-eds and, and argumentative essays. Um, but I, I've also had the benefit of, of you know, using the research from the College Ready Writers Program to really influence uh, my, my work in this area and uh, using the formative assessments to help the students continually grow in their in their use of argument. And it just seemed like a really natural carryover to um, move to civically engaged argument writing too. Great, that's perfect, thank you. Uh, so why don't we get started, just jump into the conversation. This is uh, super to have this opportunity to really uh, talk about this work and dive into and see how you've sort of developed this work over time too. Um, in the description for this webinar, you guys wrote that this research that youth do into civic issues, especially those that are really engaging their interests and igniting their passions, um, really represent powerful learning experiences. Yet there's this sort of tension between the sort of more traditional genre of academic research writing that isn't always the most effective means of engaging in civic advocacy. And so you've been thinking about that over time. There are these sort of two questions then that, that you all had planned to talk through today. Um, and I just wanted to offer those also to our listeners so that they can engage in this conversation with us. And again, they're welcome to share over Twitter and we'll try to pull um, comments or thoughts or questions they have into our discussion. But some of the big questions and discussion topics to keep in mind today um, really are, how does academic research into civic issues inform and help to develop the public-facing writing that youth are doing? And how can teachers and students work together to reshape this academic research into writing that has both the voice and the organization suited uh, for engaging the public around specific civic issues? So those are sort of our big questions that we'll dive into today. But first, maybe we can start with some background. Like, what is the story of NWP Civically Engaged Writing Analysis Continuum? Um, and um, how is it that the National Writing Project has gotten engaged in this work? So maybe, Linda, you can give us some of, start us off with some of that background? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. NWP's Civically Engaged Writing Analysis Continuum, such a mouthful, so I'm going to be referring to it as CWAC, um, is really is meant to develop a valid and reliable set of tools for assessing young people's um, civically engaged writing. Um, and it was funded by the Spencer Foundation, and so um, part of our uh, mandate is really to collect the kinds of research evidence about this tool that is persuasive to academic psychometricians. Um, at the same time, I think that what excites us most about it is actually its potential um, for supporting teachers and students. Um, so we will be um, developing a rubric. You're going to see a draft of one of the two rubrics that we've developed um, today. And then we're also going to be um, really very carefully annotating a set of anchor papers. Um, and basically what anchor papers are is that they're guides to help um, teachers when or even students when they're scoring student writing to help make sense of the set of words that appear um, on a rubric. Um, and then we're going to be um, collecting both quantitative and qualitative evidence that helps us make an argument that this tool is valid and reliable. Great. I keep reaching for my mute button. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's great. Thank you, Linda. And so, and the, um, we wanted to pass it to Stan and tell us just a little bit about the process of developing this rubric. Stan, do you want to pick that up? Uh, sure. Well, we started out doing um, extensive readings of authors and researchers in the field of civic engagement argumentation. Uh, we did interviews with people around the country who were working in that field, those interconnected fields, about what qualities of civic engagement 
uh, writings, engaged writing and reasoning and thinking they thought were important. Um, through that, we created five attributes. Uh, included in those attributes were uh, argues a position, supports it with evidence, addresses multiple perspectives, employs a public voice, and advocates civic action. Those, those attributes became part of a six-point rubric. Um, and we then began to test this rubric against a range of uh, student writing. And that, that was the point we started to think about, okay, are these the right attributes? Are these the right number of points? That's great. And we'll um, post those um, attributes as a PDF into Twitter, too, so that people um, can re uh, access those as we go along. Um, but can you tell us, um, what did you guys learn from testing the rubric against student writing? So, um, you know, when you develop a rubric, you really don't know how it's going to work until you start looking at student writing. And Janelle was in the room um, when we took the first rubric, which we had gotten great feedback on. People loved um, this rubric. And then we took student writing samples and all of a sudden we read this piece of writing that basically everybody in the room thought really fit their definition of what they would hope young people would do in terms of a piece of civically engaged writing. And our scores with the attributes were all over the map. Um, and so in some sense, and we kept looking at student writing, and what we realized as we looked across a bunch of young people's writing, both from high school and college students, some of it had been published, some of it were draft writing, is that actually the rubric was trying to do too many things at once. So some pieces were great in terms of their academic qualities. They had really sophisticated ways of um, contextualizing the evidence. Um, they were wrestling with multiple viewpoints. But when it came right down to it, the overall argument didn't work. It, it wasn't doing the work that we would hope public arguments would do in the world. So after we had gone through quite a few writing samples and cycles of this process, we said, you know what, we really need to think about what is our primary purpose with this rubric? What are the things that we can uniquely add. And so we um, decided that there are quite a few pretty good academic argument rubrics in the world. No rubric is perfect. Not, not all of them do everything we hope they would do. But none of us could really put our hands on rubrics that really focused in on the kinds of writing that young people might do to engage civically. So there weren't things that really helped us look at young people's blogs or letters to the editor or um, op-eds in the same way. And so um, out of our work, our last working group meeting, we really came away with the charge of refocusing and streamlining the rubric that we had um, that would um, still reflect the values that we hold, but would be tighter and more focused. And that we really decided that we couldn't both um, analyze long academic papers and on-demand writing and public writing. So I think that that discussion really pushed us to focus more narrowly. Um, and I think the other thing that was really important in our conversation is that all of us, and Janelle really um, talked with us about the language of global competencies. We want young people to have the global competency of wrestling with multiple viewpoints on issues and understanding their complexities. But sometimes in a piece of short public writing, it's really hard um, to shape all of that into an effective piece that conveys where the young person sees him or herself in the work and is advocating for a particular action. And so we, um, our, our working position is that we're going to keep a hold of that great big giant rubric that we started with and think about ways that that can be used to support the work that comes before um, this smaller, more focused public rubric. Great. Um, wow, so that sounds like a lot of learning um, that you all have been doing together. Stan, do you want to tell us sort of 
just, some of the next steps out just, of that? Just to add that this, the second yeah. rubric is designed not to um, leave the research piece behind. We want to build on that, but it's really designed to hopefully be a tool that teachers and students can use to illuminate the choices they make as they move from the research to public-facing pieces. It's a different genre, different kind of ideas, and how does that writing happen? What does it look like? How do you evaluate it? Right, right, great. And it does feel like it's on this sort of continuum of moves that made over time, too. So I'd love to come back and talk about that. In fact, I'd love to hear from you, Janelle, and sort of, um, oh, wait, Linda, you were going to show us the, the, the new rubric, right? Do you want to share your screen first, and then we'll hear a little bit more from Janelle? Great. Yeah. So this is this is the um, first unveiling of um, this rubric. So let me just get to my screen share. And I think there's also a link to this as well. Um, so uh, one of the things that you can see in this is, and Stan and I are going to um, do a little bit of back and forth about this. We have four attributes: employs a public voice. I'm trying to scroll, scroll slowly so I don't make anybody seasick. Um, articulates and argues a position using reasoning and evidence. Um, advocates civic action and um, structure. So we have these four, and the first one really ties back to what I was saying earlier, that we really want to start with thinking about employing a public voice. And um, the idea of public voice very much came out of the civic engagement literature. Um, and we came, we, we really drew on that literature for um, a definition that, a public voice is directed beyond one's immediate family and friends, where you can be really pretty informal, um, but you're really trying to reach a wider audience. Um, and the purpose of using that public voice um, is for influence or persuasion and to contribute to a larger public um, conversation. So as we think about public voice, you'll see that we have four scale points, um, but um, if you really look at the four, uh, we're looking at tone, style, and rhetoric, um, and thinking about how those kinds of um, choices of words and phrases and tone and style um, can be used to meet the particular interests of um, a very specific purpose. What is the work that the writing is trying to do? What's the occasion? Um, and then what, who's the intended audience? In addition, in employing a public voice, when you're going beyond your immediate friends and family who know you and have a level of trust in you, um, you need to think about how do I establish my credibility as a writer? Um, and so we really see that as potentially having a couple of dimensions. One, that you're demonstrating your knowledge and that that knowledge is really um, of, of the civic issue. And also, um, we find that often writers establish their credibility by identifying their connections. Sometimes it's a very personal one, but sometimes it's really conveying um, people's passion or interest about that. So Stan, do you want to talk a little bit about articulates and argues a position using reasoning and evidence? Sure. Um, so this, this is the slice that one of the slices that carries back over to the research um, rubric, and it, it's, to us, it's really important to not lose focus on that idea. Still, students are still, make, still making an argument and still uh, advocating a position. And to do that well and do that thoughtfully, certain kinds of thinking about evidence and certain kinds of reasoning are important and to, be, and to be cognizant of the kind of reasoning students are using. So for example, some arguments are cause and effect. Some are cause benefit. Some are a criteria-based evaluation. I've always found teaching Reasoning is the hardest thing to teach. Sometimes it, we see a lot of bad examples of reasoning out there in public, but um, teaching kids to reason and thoughtfully do it is really important. Also, in here that's really important is that there's a kind of a value structure that underlies people's positions, and how does that value structure come through in the writing? Um, and that's that's key. And it also has to do with how students talk about evidence, um, make sure they're clear about 
what they do with it, they don't misquote, they don't spin it certain ways. It's all very hard to do in a short amount of time that a, facing, a public facing piece has, but crucial to think about. Great. Um, so the next piece um, of this rubric is a focus on advocate civic action. And part of the reason that we're really excited about this and that some of our advisors have been very excited about this is that it really names um, sort of this focus on action as an important um, piece uh, to focus on when you're in, involved in civic engagement work. And we really have wrestled with this, um, and we've been thinking a lot about how writing itself can be the action. So a letter to the editor, um, or to a public official, or um, the written notes for a speech, all of those are places where the writing can actually be the action. Um, and then sometimes the advocacy can be for um, the audience to take action. So, for example, um, voting for a piece of legislation or changing attitudes of people. So we really wanted to um, uh, look for things that could be seen in the writing. Um, and so, as again, as we think about how is this defined, we're really looking for the writing to present a call to action. Um, and that that call to action is informed by relevant knowledge. So, um, and that might be practical knowledge. You really understand who the people in your community are who can make a difference and who can be the influencers and persuaders. Um, it might be your direct personal experience um, that gives you knowledge about how to do work in the world. Or it might be um, disciplinary understanding. You really have studied how your, your city government works or your county government is, and you know exactly the right person um, to go to. And so we're really looking for calls to action that are actually actionable by the audience for the writing. And then um, thinking about strategy um, and thinking about whether um, the strategy is one that would be appropriate for addressing the larger civic issue that has been surfaced. And then we really conclude with um, with an attribute that is uh, a pretty common thing to look at in writing, and that's structure. Um, and uh, we don't have a new fancy um, civically engaged definition of structure, um, but our purpose in including this is that as we began looking at some of those samples, we could sometimes see really fantastic um, ideas in some of the um, civic writing that had gone public, but sometimes there was something about the structure of it that didn't quite work. And so um, right now we're really thinking about including this as something that we would want um, teachers and young people and mentors of young people who are doing this work um, to think about as they're forming um, their civic, civically engaged arguments. Okay, Chris, back to you. Awesome, great. That was really helpful and helpful to just get a sense of this uh, this continuum. So I wanted to um, ask Janelle now to sort of, uh, Janelle, you mentioned how um, working with this continuum really supported you in sort of digging into what was important and um, also um, help you to develop some of your work. I know for a long time you've been working on um, civic writing um, uh, with youth in public spaces. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that work and um, give us a little background and then talk about the way that this continuum has been able to support that and what you've sure. been learning. Yeah, Thanks. absolutely. Um, first of all, I forgot to tell my introductions that I am part of North Star of Texas Writing Project. I also serve on the board of National Writing Project, so yay, okay. So, <laughs> just that. Um, I was very excited, especially after the meeting in June, um, when we really discussed, um, when asked to serve on and work on this work with civically engaged writing. For me, that writing has been some of the most powerful pieces that have come out of my learners. Um, so to think that there's really not a lot of research about it, and to think that there's really not 
a rubric. I mean, we have our writing with our global uh, writing, written communication rubric with some global competencies in there. But it's not specific for civically engaged writing. Um, so when we had the discussions in June, it was really like, yes, finally. Um, because as we were talking during the planning of this discussion, how, how do you measure something that is really, as we went through all of the papers and all of the student work, it's like, no, there's something else. There's something else. They call it the je ne sais quoi. Like, we don't know what it is. We know it's there. We know it, what it is when we see it. Um, so how can we how can we tease it out a little bit more? How can we create tools to encourage this in our learners? And how can we um, create tools to help facilitate this type of learning? So it was very exciting to be able to work on um, the continuum. Um, I think it's really important for the youth of today to know how to hone this type of voice because they are just finding it. And for us to sit there and say, no, your voice is important, your voice is important, and not give them the tools to refine and revise and find one that is going to be the most effective for them is really failing them. Because if we're saying, hey, no, your voice is important, let's create these pieces, let's find these forums, let's find these outlets that will publish your piece, and yet we're not really working with them and we're not really giving them the tools to really develop this skill, then they're going to fall short and they will not feel empowered to share their voice. Um, I was really excited to be able to work with um, KQED, the Bay Area's um, public media outlet, for their Do Now program. And basically, I've been working them, with them for a few years. Um, basically, um, the Do Now is they will take a current issue and present a prompt, and there will be resources. Um, provided for learners to read over and to um, begin their journey of researching the issue before actually responding to the prompt. And that's how we always saw the do nows, that it was an initial, hey, let's look at this resource as a starting point and let's research what they have to offer us, but also let's look at different perspectives, different sides, before we actually can engage in this discourse. Um, but it was wonderful to have the opportunity in the do now space where our kids work could actually be published. Um, I'm very open with my kids in saying that, you know, when you do work, it's not just for me. It's for you, yes, but there's another audience out there. And so I'm very committed to finding those other audiences. Um, and there's just, my kids always tell me all the time that it's just different when we are publishing our work on social media. Um, we feel more pressure to um, find a more complete picture of it. We feel more pressure to up um, the quality of our work, to go back and revise it and revise it because we know that so many people are going to see it. Um, and then they also are very careful because as we've started and continued these discussions, they want the discussions to be just that. They want it to be discourse, to continue, and not to create something that just shuts everyone down. They want to get to the deeper understanding of these issues. Um, so I think I've put a link for Do Now Refugee, which is one of them. I don't know if that's being shared with a chat room. Um, but Do Now Refugee basically asked, would you welcome refugees into your community? why or why not and that was very real to us because um, they live we live in a suburban area um, and a lot of our kids um, they're able to travel they're able to go on mission trips and things like that but for the most of the time they're in their little they call it the bubble which is great um, I guess um, but this is really an opportunity for them to consider things outside of their bubble um, and when they respond to when they respond to prompts like that the wonderful thing is is that they have the option to create a response online where they will research and it can be more like a traditional paper when they post on the discussion board multi paragraph thesis statement and all that um, but with you now they're also creating other pieces of media um, and i find that really engages several different types of our learners because yes they're doing the research they're doing the reading they're getting multiple perspectives 
they are also contributing on the discussion board. But when they're able to choose how they're going to further their argument, whether it be through an infographic, whether it be through um, a spoken word piece, whether it be through a blog post or an op-ed or um, a political, a piece of political art, a political post or a digital poster. They know the process before actually producing that is quite rigorous. Um, and they know also that what they are producing is going to be something that their peers will probably be looking at because it's the kind of media that their peers are accustomed to consuming. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of what's going on in my classroom, why I'm so excited with um, about CWAC. I took the um, rubric, actually, the, the second rubric with the attributes, um, and I kind of annotated a few of the responses to Do Now Refugee. And it was eye-opening um, because, first of all, as much as it told me and confirmed in my mind what I valued in civically engaged writing, um, it also told me, yes, this is what I want to develop, but it also told me what was there already, what I'm working with. And just being able to have the specific language of the attributes and what those attributes actually look like in various pieces and being able to share that with my learners is going to be able to deepen their writing and deepen their production of this type of um, expression. I'm not going to say specifically the multi-paragraph paper because although that's part of it, as we discussed in June, that research and the writing of the more formal academic task for us usually is in the process of them creating something of their choice where they are really, really finding their voice and feeling empowered. Um, so I'm very excited about having that language and having this tool to refer to um, to even build more momentum for my practice and the production of the uh, types of media that they find extremely effective. So, Great, thanks so much. That's uh -huh. really interesting to hear about. Mm -hmm. And um, the um, there's a couple of writing samples that you did. Can we, should those be shared? Um, oh, they okay. can be. Great. <laughs> so we'll tweet out some of these um, annotated writing samples that Janelle talked about, because then you can really see the way that she's been working um, with her colleagues and with her learners. So thank you so much. Okay. And um, I just have to jump yeah, in here and say I loved um, Janelle's color use of color coding to annotate mm -hmm. the samples. I could see how that can be so effective for learners as they're working on developing um, their public arguments, too. Great, great. Yeah, so we'll share those out with the resources. Thank you so much. Um, and maybe we can also now hear from Casey. I know, Casey, you were talking, when you introduced yourself, you were talking about the ways that you've been doing lots of different writing with um, your students um, annually in a community research project. Uh, and that um, this ends up in a, is it op-eds in a newspaper? And um, well, maybe you yeah. can tell us yeah. about the writing you've been doing um, with your students over time and then how this intersects with that work. Okay, thank you, Christina. Um, you know, first, first thing that I, I try to do in this process is help students choose a topic. I want them to be civically engaged in, in local community issues. And so um, students often need support in that process. So um, I, I really like pre-writing lists to help them start you know, thinking through what, what uh, topics are out there for them to choose. Um, I, to support them in their list making, I often share previous student projects with them. Um, and, and talk through, you know, the effect of those projects and, and just to build up some energy around it that that students can actually make a difference in, in local, you know, civically engaged uh, ways that um, they can have an influence and make change. Uh, to, to, as a part of making those lists, we often read the local county newspaper and the larger regional newspaper and, and as we encounter articles or you know op-eds in those newspapers we often add those topics to our list and and I encourage them to speak with their parents and their grandparents and their employers to find out what issues exist in, in our community 
And then I, I help them narrow down their lists and, and have them share with each other and, and do some quick writes to find out which, which of those topics seem to have the most energy for them. And I also give them the option to work on their, on their own or, or in groups. And if, if they want to work in groups, I, I tell them that the topic and the work should represent a challenge to everyone in the group. And students will, will write two written pieces uh, on this topic. And the first is a, is a research paper with that research voice that Linda and Stan have spoken about. But the second piece is an op-ed that exemplifies that, that public voice that, that Linda and Stan also mentioned. Um, so to start, the, that detailed research report, it, you know, once they've chosen their topic, we, we enter the detailed research report. And there's no length requirements. It, it typically ranges from about five to 10 plus pages, depending on the topic and, and what the students are finding in their evidence. Um, and these projects are very individual, but you know, by building a culture of student argument writing throughout the school year, I'm able to expect the best from my students. And, and I just, you know, through this college ready writers program work, I've just found that they really do their best. And they're really interested in these topics and they really jump in and are just completely engaged, which really supports civic engagement when a student's engaged personally in their topic as well. Um, you know, there's multiple parts in the detailed research report. It's, it's paced, it's broken down to increase the depth. You know, if we, can, if we can break it into parts, then we can spend more time in a part to make sure we get the depth before we move on. So I have five parts to this detailed research report, but it isn't formulaic like a four or five paragraph essay. This, each of the parts in many of the cases are their own written pieces, and I, I approach them that way. The first part, part one, I, I begin by having students introduce the issue and explain in writing the situation surrounding the issue from their perspective. You know, and that's, that's their entry point. They begin with what they think they know about the issue and what they've heard about the issue. In the, in the second part, students write about their research and their methods and they detail how they went about becoming informed. You know, what, what sor sources did they consult for information? What text did they read? Who did they interview? What surveys did they make? Um, how did they distribute those surveys? How did they attempt to gather multiple perspectives surrounding the issue? And, and the, the rubric that uh, Stan and Linda have been working with has really supported that. You know, I, uh, with that rubric, I have a, a formative assessment tool to support students in their information gathering. Um, so in part three, I have those students write uh, a report of all the evidence that they gather from their research and methods. And, and this is very flexible. Some students report their evidence source by source in this stage. Some take it more in a, a more of a chronological order. Um, some reach back to their description of the issue and order their evidence to fit the order of that original description. But when the students are in their groups, it's, it's a highly collaborative process and, and student groups discuss and make plans regarding the organization and the content of their evidence and their reporting. And, and it's just great to watch them have these really collaborative conversations about composing a piece of writing. Um, I ask them to share any pictures, their maps, um, scientific reports, or primary source documents they found. Uh, um, they can scan documents and, and embed them into the, into the Google Doc. Um, and, you know, I can, I can have them report on what new news articles um, did they read, and what did those articles say, and what do they know that they didn't know before. And I ask them to be thorough. You know, this is their opportunity to show all the effort that they put into this project. And once the students have reported on their evidence um, in a comprehensive manner, we move on to the fourth section, which is where they analyze that evidence. And, and so by compartmentalizing and having them report the evidence and then move on and analyze that evidence, it really allows an opportunity for them to get in depth with their analysis. Um, you know, what is the evidence suggesting about the situation? What does the evidence mean and why is it valid? Uh, what are all the possible and varied implications of each piece of evidence? And then finally in part five, I asked the students to conclude and make recommendations based on their research and analysis. Um, you know, based on their findings and analysis, what can they reasonably conclude? What position do they or they and their team find themselves in when considering all the evidence? What solutions do they recommend based on the findings? And this, this detailed research report you know, as, as we get to part five, it's, it's messy. It's a work in progress. Students are constructing their understanding while writing up each of these parts. So the conclusions they come up with at the end are often incomplete, especially in regard to their reasoning and their logic, which, which relates back to the, to the continuum. Um, they can be overwhelmed by the amount of evidence they collect. They might be overwhelmed by the number of perspectives involved. Uh, they often 
aren't entirely sure of what position or action to take at that point. And sometimes their original position is on shaky ground because of the evidence they collected. So students need time and space to sort through all that, and that's, that's what the detailed research report allows them. Um, uh, they, the, the good part about it, though, is that they're on their own, they are their own audience for the detailed research report. So the individual student or their student group, along with me as their teacher, serves as the audience. And that, that messiness can be okay at that point, you know. Becoming informed isn't a linear process and it's, it's not a clean process, it's complex. And then um, I, I wanna give students time to, to think through that. So after they've composed it, I, I wanna take a, a short break and what I do is I teach a uh, College Ready Writers Program mini unit about um, making the case for, for an argument in an, in an op-ed. And, and there's a, a unit available in the CRWP materials that where you can teach students to uh, make the case and make it organized and um, actually plan out their line of reasoning. So um, they've been researching for DEFT. It's a prime moment to use this College Ready Writers Program curricular material to uh, teach some specific argument skills. And I, I just really like that unit. It, it really helps students use evidence to strengthen and develop their claims and to write compelling arguments that are really on point. That unit takes about six days to teach and the unit includes a planning resource to help students organize their arguments and develop a, a recursive series of claims. I asked the students to use the same planner to reorganize. So they, they have the planner for the College Ready Writers Program unit. I have them then use that same planner to return to the uh, community research argument that they made in the detailed research report. So they get some, uh, you know, they get to spend a little bit of time on a different topic and then they get to come back to their community research project with new eyes. And they, they come back with new eyes, but they also come back with new skills on how to organize an argument, how to arrange the uh, evidence in a, in a compelling way to make that argument. So using the knowledge they've developed from the, their research and their new organizational skills from the mini unit, the, the students write opinion editorial pieces that we send out to the local county newspaper that's published once per week. And I check in with the news editor in April with the plan to publish in May to let her know the letters are on their way and we keep checking in with each other. She wants to know how many are coming. She's trying to plan out space. They're limited to 500 words. Um, and so she's trying to plan out space to, and to, she wants to know how many letters uh, are coming so she can see how many issues she needs to spread that out over a, a weekly publication. And usually we can get all the student letters in in, in two to three weeks. Um, I, I also write a letter myself that introduces the project to the public and the editor will publish the, my letter with the student letters each week just to, to so that each, each week the, the public is aware of what we're intending to do with this project. Um, the, as far as the student arguments, arguments are concerned, they, they just really come across as exceptionally sharp. They're well organized, they're well structured, and, and it, honestly it's, it's some of the best student writing I've ever worked with in my classroom over these last couple of years um, using the, the principles of the, the, the continuum but also the, the principles of the College Ready Writers Program. Um, they often end with really informed, nuanced claims. Um, I, I find that even when I don't agree with my students' arguments at this stage, I often have to admit the strength and the solidity of their arguments because of that planning. And there's something about working through that messy bit of becoming informed, learning some skills about how to organize it and how to make a compelling argument, and then returning to it with new eyes that just makes some really good student writing. Um, and I, I, I just, how often as adults do we get the opportunity to read compelling well-written arguments that sometimes we, you know, in some cases we don't entirely agree with them. Um, and and this, this is student writing on top of that. So I find myself in that position frequently with the civically engaged literacy work my students and I have been doing. Um, their, their detailed research reports can be a bit of an information overload for the students. So this extended time that helps them to circle back and rethink the evidence, reconsider the evidence, reorganize it. Um, Looking back, I can see how my previous practices of having students write one paper on a topic that they researched didn't allow the students those opportunities to metacognitively reflect and synthesize all the comp complex possibilities and perspectives. And that's what I want for my students. I want them to see the complexity uh, in, in our issues, both locally and, and across our state and across our country. And I want them to work through those issues and work through that com complexity towards real solutions for these issues. 
And, and so this paper is for a, a different audience than the detailed research report. This one is for the larger audience, for the local decision makers and the voters, and to inform the larger public and join adult conversations and share their perspectives. And, and I think that's especially important in, in rural communities like mine, where adults are worried about their, you know, the dwindling population of the community and the survival of the community, and as young people graduate and leave to go elsewhere. So civically engaged literacy instruction helps sustain rural communities, and it helps students get and stay connected to their community, and, and, it, and it gets students actively involved for whatever future they choose. A couple examples from this most recent work we've done. I had a group of students who wrote a, a letter about uh, a rock slide that closed a local uh, gravel road that um, was a, a high traffic area for, for recreation. And the students were very upset that this road had been closed and it had remained closed for almost a year. So they wanted to um, make an argument that it should be open, that the county should fix it. Uh, they, they started their detailed research report with that position, but over the course of becoming informed, they were reading work by engineering companies that had come in and made bids for the county to fix it. And, uh, they found that it was a very expensive problem. They found that uh, there weren't very many safe solutions to fixing the problem that wouldn't keep the public in danger. And they found that the county just simply didn't have the money to fix it. So they had to make a shift in their position based on the evidence. And then when they ended up writing the op-ed to the paper, the op-ed to the paper ended up uh, saying that, you know, they should keep the road closed because it would be safer that way. That was the safest, most affordable option. Uh, another example, I had uh, a group of students write a, a, a research uh, paper on suicide awareness and how we needed to be more aware in our county because Montana is the number one state in the country for suicide rates. And they did an extensive research and they, they did extensive research on how that could be fixed. And they made their argument to the paper and so I as the teacher on the very first day of school end up in a, a professional learning with all staff members in the school, the bus drivers, the cooks, all the teachers, all the aides, the administrators, um, on suicide awareness. So my students wrote letters to the paper that ended up in training for all the teachers and staff to recognize suicide issues in our school and help uh, fix those, help solve those, help get out in front of those issues um, before they become devastating. Um, so, I mean, that's impact. That's, that's students being civically engaged making an argument, causing change, and the public response has just been, uh, you know, enormous with other, you know, public letters being written to the paper, uh, public letters coming in the mail to the school, to me, and I just, I was approached all summer long by folks from the county who just wanted to communicate how much they've appreciated what the students are doing and how engaged they are. Wow, that's a really powerful um set of examples that you just shared, thank you. Um, and also a really rich description of what, of how you build and develop this over time. Um, so that was quite lovely. Um, it strikes me how, you know, this continuum, if we can sort of think about like, the ways that it, 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 it supports this, it seems like it's definitely not a bunch of check marks, right? It serves like a living, breathing, iterative process that you've been going through and the way that you've been supporting your youth in, in, in moving through all that messiness and then back into it and then through it again, right? So um, maybe we can talk about the ways that you all are thinking. We only have 10 minutes left and there's so much to talk about here. So I'm trying to think, like maybe we can talk about how you're, you all, um, now that you've been working on this uh, continuum, are thinking about some of the next steps and how you're going to develop out to support more teachers in doing the quality and um, depth of work that Casey and Janelle have been doing with their youth and, 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 um, and, and going deep with how this, these pieces work together. Christina? Yes. Yeah. Before we do that, I just want to make one point. Um, yeah, sure. When you look at the, the, the continuum and you listen to Janelle and uh, Casey talk about their student work and you start reading their student work, one thing that comes clear is the importance of personal experience as evidence here for students. The importance of personal experience as a starting point for thinking about what's important to the community, what's important in their lives. And also, that, so they've, they've experienced things, but also you start thinking the personal experience also shapes the values and morals they bring to. This, these letters, and all that I think is crucial, and it's, it, it's in the writing, it's in the, the continuum, 
And that, I think, is a great starting point for students because oftentimes personal experience starts with something in the community, a complaint, an idea, something happened. Yes, and that would be civic engagement. That's a good starting point for it. Yeah, I heard that piece about connections and the way that 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 the connections are being brought together. So whether it's you know looking, you know supporting that, you know, Casey, you talked about uh, interviewing family members and community members and reading the local things too, and pulling those those ex connections of experience and bringing the youth together. I I thought that was a really powerful piece. Of, Thank you, Stan. Um, anybody else want to bring up some important points? So um, what what are some of the next steps with this work? I mean, where what are you thinking how do how do how do you plan to continue this work forward and uh, support other teachers engaging with this? Stan, do you want me to um, start? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, so um, we're really uh, just starting to annotate um, a bunch of student writing samples, um, and we're going to be looking at some of the letters to the next president and annotating those. Um, and we're also um, finding some other publicly available youth writings. So Stan found a great treasure trove on the ACLU website. Um, connecting to this personal experience piece where the ACLU worked with young people to write about their personal experience and advocate for young people under um, uh, knowing uh, their rights. And I have that uh, link um, right here. Um, and really thinking about the connection between um, uh, our uh, our work and um, those kinds of pieces and then um, we're going to create a complete set of anchor papers and practice papers and we're actually going to do a pilot scoring remember this is funded by our good colleagues at the Spencer Foundation um, so we are going to learn about our ability to be reliable um, and really learn about how people who didn't help develop the rubric interpret it and put it up against um, student writing. And I think Stan is going to talk a little bit about um, some of our hopes for developing resources for the classroom. Yeah, so one of, the, one of the ideas is that we put together a set of tools which would include professional writing that shows how professional writers move from research to public voice, a set of student samples that do that. Um, annotated is that a rubric and possible lessons that people have used to do this kind of work with teacher commentaries maybe a set of writings about that but a basically a set of tools that students and teachers can use to help make that movie talked about earlier how do you change how do you take research and move it to a public voice how do you um, do that thoughtfully and with 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 um, I'm not sure the right word here with but in a way that people go, oh yeah, this person is somebody I should listen to. This person, somebody has something worth saying. This person is something I want to, I want to talk to. Anything you want to add to that? Okay. What I'm really excited about is um, I've seen my kids work with other rubrics. Just the other day, they were going through an oral communication rubric, and they were after having um, a peer present, they were really going through and like, well, are you sure? It, I mean, it felt like more emerging there. It felt like, so I'm really excited about seeing them have a rubric that's going to be more specific to the kind of writing that we're doing, but then specific yet a rubric that would be um, used on a broader scale um, with a larger group of students across the United States. It's really important for them to feel like they're part of a larger, like a larger community, um, but then also bring it and make it meaningful to their own writing, to their own work. So I'm very excited about having a tool like the rubric um, with the attributes um, to really see them 
give feedback that's really going to be meaningful and help them, again, develop those skills. Just having that, again, that consistent vocabulary for them and having a consistency in that rubric because I can tweak a rubric all I want. But knowing that this is, again, something that other people are using because it is writing that is valued and is important is going to make a difference in the development of their writing. Great. Thank you, Janelle. Um, do we, is there something in particular that you're really excited about um, moving forward with this? Frozen. Oh, Casey. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Are you looking for me? Yeah. Sorry, Casey. I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say something that you're really excited about. It was we sort of move forward with this work that you wanted to share. Okay. I, I just love um, the way the the College Ready Writers Program resources work in conjunction with mm -hmm. the uh, the. Uh, Civically engaged writing continuum. Um, I just think it's a great opportunity. I've got CRWP resources that help me formative, formatively assess student um, writing and student argument writing for their use of sources and their claims and their reasoning. And now this continuum provides me an opportunity to assess um, and provide students with feedback on their arguments specifically for their civic engagement. And that's something that's been elusive up until this point. Right, right. That's great. Cool. Um, we are near the end of this conversation, and I just wanted to, I know there's actually been some active questions in the chat, um, uh, so maybe we could get to one of them. Um, yeah, so some there were people asking about sort of all these different genres that youth write into, and the ways that that might shift or change. Um, uh, Well, this question says, in thinking about different genres in which you young people might write, blogs, Instagram, or Snapchat, how much room, if any, is there for relying on personal experience to convey an argument? Um, so Stan had talked about this, the role of personal experience. And um, I guess when we start to think about the role of these like very personal tools, too, that we're using and these social tools, um, I can see that this this will continue to be a discussion um, over time too, as tools sort of morph and change. Any less thoughts about that kind of stuff and the different kinds of writing that might be happening? Well, I think that's one of the things that I'm most excited about. I think a lot of academic ar um, argument rubrics really prize. Um, evidence that comes from books or from very specific research. And I think one of the things that's so powerful about um, Casey's experience, and I know Janelle's students have done, Janelle's learners have done this also, is that there's really a lot of room for young people to bring their voices and their experiences into conversation with a wide range of other sources. And so I think there's a lot of room for that and it's really exciting and I'm glad we can think about how to support that. And I also think that there'll be some choices to make about what we can actually use the continuum to, to assess. Maybe some things might be too short, um, not enough words on the paper to actually talk about a personal experience in a, in a deep way or to get some ideas down. So that's some of the questions we'll have to kind of consider as you move forward. Great. Yeah. Well, it sounds like such an exciting conversation to be a part of and such beautiful work you're all bringing to it and um, attention. So thank you so much for taking the time today to share this work and the time tonight. Um, there are a bunch of questions on Twitter that we didn't quite get to. So I just, you know, maybe we can all sort of dive in there and engage with folks who are listening tonight. And we will also publish all of the resources and the links, including the writing samples um, and um, the CRWP curriculum, as well as the continuums that were mentioned tonight um, uh, with the archive of this website at Educator Innovator. Dot org. So we encourage you to visit there, to share it with friends, and to um, sign up um, to receive updates from Educator Innovator. 
Um, and also, don't forget the um, Letters to the Next President project that is very active right now. It is an opportunity for um, youth to publish um, work that they are doing in writing. Both Janelle and Casey have students who have published their work there already, um, and it's beautiful to see um, the writing and um, what's important to youth around the country and to start to um, see that emerge on a map um, with their work. So um, go over there, be inspired, sign up to participate, and we really look forward to engaging with all of you ahead around this work. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. Good night. Thank you. Good night.